0: Welcome to linked up breaking boundaries in education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena.
1: All right. So I'm going to set the stage. It's 1993 ish. I think I'm doing this fellowship, uh, with this, um, army bait. Well, through what, um, Martin Marietta it was called then, Lockheed Martin, and um, I'm in with this army base, and they sit me down at this computer, and they it's a silicon graphics computer, and they say, um, okay, now look, I'm going to set you up here. You can just explore a little bit. It's called the World Wide Web, and you can go anywhere. You can check out anything, and I s- said, okay. i, I Think it was a big deal, didn't understand it until I started doing it. And then that was in the summer doing this fellowship. And then I go into, I was so excited because I found this Washington State uh, virtual science forum that I was so excited about. So I asked my school, I want an America Online account. Can you drop a phone line into my classroom? And they said, "Uh, okay. I told them everything I was going to do, and they said, sure, let's try it. And I had one student set up, his name was Robert, to wait because you know, as we connect, it would be about seven minutes if we were lucky. And he was he was on post to check it out. And then we connected. We got to share all of our science experimentation that we did with other schools. And it was amazing. But as I'm doing this and another year goes by, another year goes by, there's not a lot out there and it starts to become a little bit more known, but I need to know what are the things out there that I can do? What are the resources out there? So I found this virtual mentor named Kathy Schrock, and I visited her website every day And that's how I, when I train teachers, that's what I use. That's what I went to. I found all the resources. And look who we have here today, the rock star herself, the trailblazer, my mentor, Kathy Schrock. Never met her until this minute, but she's my mentor.
2: Great introduction!
1: <laughs> it's so exciting. I mean, I learned everything from you. On my motivation from you. I mean, I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you I so much.
0: Be amazed to know how many people she has entered over the years. Because I remember in 1997. Our principal came into um, a faculty meeting and said, hey, we really want you all online. We want you doing this. And we were like, we don't know what to do. And he said, write this down, Kathy Schrock. <laughs> and that's the first time I knew about Kathy as well. And ever since I have followed her because everything she does is amazing and it's well vetted and it's quality.
2: So well, okay. we're done now, you know. Um, <laughs> it's it's all good. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Oh well I try, I really try. You do. Oh, oh man. You know, the, the theme here today is the tech evolution, right? Hearing how technology and education has evolved. But why don't we start here first with the Kathy evolution? How did this all start for you? I want to hear everything.
2: Okay, so I was um my father worked for the phone company. Well, First of all, I was at the University of Maryland, and I bought an IBM PC uh, portable 30-pound thing with a little orange screen on the front, run, ran on two floppies. And so my husband and I would use that as our computer. Then I got a job as a middle school librarian, and my father worked for the phone company, and they were getting rid of all the 1,400 baud modems. And so he brought one home. So I did the same thing. I asked if I could get another phone line in my librarian office and I hooked up. But this was before the World Wide Web. And so all that was out there was a thing called Gopher, which was menu driven university sites. So I live on Cape Cod. We didn't like when the students were doing their little uh, brochures and they needed the exchange rate for money you know if they're doing a france brochure and they needed to put it in in francs um we didn't have that it wasn't in our local paper <laughs> so i would go online i have this little card at all these steps one three five seven two and then i'd get them the information that they needed and then i put a note um in every teacher's mailbox uh Saying that they had an internet appointment and I did it on one of their preps. They thought it was official. It was not official. I just stuck it in, but they all came at their times and I showed them things that were interest to them. So fish, you know, rec dot fishing, rec. you know, club med, rec dot whatever. And I remember the one teacher um, was going to Turk and Caicos Islands. And we went and we looked up information and we found this girl whose father worked at Club Med. And so in a half hour, we got a response back and she had gotten her, you know, a day pass at Club Med on the Turk and Caicos. And so everybody was sold, right? So it's nothing to do with education. It was only personal stuff. And then, then once I saw the web, I was like, whoa, you know, look, and I remember the first time I, saw the web, it was only in text format. So it was a bicycle shop in Seattle and it had the name, of, but it was graphical, but you couldn't see the graphics. So all it said was, you know, it had the title in text, but the rest of it just said image, 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 image. So I wrote to the guy and I told him, you know, great site, but you need to put, some, you need to give us some text to go with the images, because we didn't have graphical access. And so on the Cape, we did not have AOL that wasn't a toll call. And so in 19, I guess it was like 94, probably uh, an internet provider finally came, an internet service provider came and uh, you, know, you had to pay him, but it was still cheaper than AOL. And he, he knew I had this little card box of websites. And so he said to me, listen, you learn HTML and I'll host your site. And I'm like, okay, that's really nice of you. So I got my Laurel Amaze, teach yourself HTML in seven days and I made the website. And he put it up and all of a sudden, like all these teachers started coming to him. It was getting a lot of hits. Well, he was a pretty savvy business person because he said, you know, now I can show that this person on this spit of land can get all this attention. You too can have your business get all this attention, you know, let alone I had content and they probably didn't, but uh, it was very funny. And so then it just grew from there. Uh, The NEA came. To my school. Remember when they used to put out that big newspaper that we all would get in our mailboxes? Right. They came because I had been doing the web stuff. And then, um, so I did that. I was middle school librarian. Then I was tech director for that school district after that. And then in 1999, Discovery was just creating Discovery Education. And they said, listen, we love your list of links. Can we have you and your links come over to us? to our new discovery education. So I did do that, Um, I still had full editorial control of my little, you know, my page or pages. No, they couldn't, you know, I was the editor, let's put it that way. And then um, I did that till 2011, then I scrapped that site because that site was all lists of sites for teachers by subject area. And I, you know, what do I know? about high school physics nothing right but so after a while i was like yeah maybe the physics teachers now they're knowledgeable enough to look for their own things so i created that was called kathy schrock's guide for educators but i created kathy schrock's guide to everything which my husband thought was very self-serving but that led me to, this led me to have as much license as i wanted to take with it so each of the pages in the site now starts out as a support page for a presentation that i've created And then once I'm done, even with the presentation, I still continue to build out those pages. And there's about 50, a little over 50 pages on topics. It's topic based, not necessarily subject based.
1: So um, so that's it. Yeah, but you're you're really it was just enormous, just the amount of resources um, and so I think you're kind of uh, downplaying a little bit. It was just, I mean, incredible. There was anything you needed. Anything you needed was there. And it was, it started out, that's what we needed back then, right? We needed those lists. We just wanted links, links.
2: Well, I was, I was, you remember, I'm the terminally left brain learner and a librarian. So, of course, it was very well organized and navigable, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that helps.
0: Right. And that's what I was going to say, leave it to a librarian to do this, because they are the people that have that knowledge and they know how to get people hooked in just like you did with your staff. So I would suspect that your library background really played a huge part in this.
2: Yeah, and my person, my left brain personality. <laughs> you know, it, that helps too. So, but it was just so funny because I started having fun with it. Like it used to have the original one had a schoolhouse at the top and a bunch of pencils as like the arrows for the sites. And so I, I decorate the schoolhouse, you know, for holidays, I put a little flag and put a little, you know, for St. Patty's day, it would have a clover on it or whatever. And uh, yeah, I just started having fun with it. So I
0: it was good. It well, it's in our minds. Yes. So that was 2011. And so what I'm wondering is what have you seen as like the biggest change for educators with all of these resources and.
1: Yeah. You know, cause I have to say, and I said this in another podcast, I started doing, cause I found that Washington state university in 1993. So I started doing these collaborative internet projects through the nineties. Um, and then you know, I, I kind of, I started my own company doing PD when I started having a family, when I had started my family, but I feel like there was such a lull. I couldn't get people to do it. As I was coaching and mentoring teachers, they would think it was great, but there was like this lull and now it's obviously we're all doing it, but why?
2: Right. Yeah. So I was, I was not, I mean, I had the collaboration sites, you know, I knew of them, I promoted them, but I was not, I didn't do that kind of collaboration. I, um, I concentrated more on the information literacy side, but obviously being a librarian, that's what I did. And thing is I developed, when I first started the website and I was looking for sites to add, I would I would look at, a, look at a page and go, yeah, well, this, okay. And then all of a sudden they had this like 27 pieces of criteria in my head. The last one being go with your gut um, before I would add it to the site. And then I realized, well, if I've developed this thing in my brain, I should probably create something for teachers and students to use. And then once they've used a physical form a couple of times, they understand how to critically evaluate. And so what I've seen is... Uh, you know, teachers were able to look for sites they they you know they everybody became a good searcher. you know, Google was really good about you know Google educators, and everybody spread the word and but and we they learned how to search well, but what they didn't learn how to do is evaluate in some of that. Time so then of course all of a sudden now it's new it's called fake news now well it's been there all along (laughs) and so um, many teachers have used those critical evaluation forms which I've updated since whatever year I started them I think 1996 and um, they use them to start with and then once you've internalized it. You can start to recognize bias, or if a site is ver you know if something's verifiable, or if there's or depending on what you're looking for, if you're looking for something that is biased, you would recognize it as biased. So I think uh, that has been a big change that teachers are now and students are being critical of what they find. Before it was just like, "Look what I found." And now it's, "Well, look what I found, but is it you know is it true? <laughs> is it verifiable? Is it somebody in their basement writing this so?"
0: Right. And that's a critical skill our kids need. I, I think it's more critical now than ever before. And to teach them just because you found it online doesn't mean that it's true. Right. Right. So right, right. are there any tips that you could give people searching that would help them to know just, you know, like some quick things to know? This is really real.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, you know, again, t- you don't know. <laughs> you never know. Um, I mean, it used to be, there used to be ways that were easier. For instance, um, when universities gave websites to students, they always put a tilde um, in front of the student's name, which would give you an indication that this is a, a university student, not a college professor, even though it was an EDU site, right? So, you know, then you just took it with a little more grain of salt. A, most of them were fine, some of them were not. But now there's really um, no way to identify that kind of stuff because everybody's got their own URL, their own personal URL, and you really can't. But, you know, backward searching is always a good thing. Who links to that site? If there's credible, other credible people that link to that site, then you're thinking, okay, well, if, you know, if, you know, Library of Congress links to this person's page, they've probably done the research, they have the resources to do that, um, it's probably pretty credible. Can you find the person somewhere else? Have, you know, it used to be you could go to, you know, they can't even verify in an encyclopedia in the library anymore because they're not even there. So um, again, but just because you verify that that the person um, is okay, but you don't know if they have a knowledge base in that content. So my suggestion is anybody writing anything f- research-wise, we should be including their bibliography of sources that they, they referred to. And so then you just build on those and move out from there. That's the easiest way to identify things. Um, I don't know. It's, it it it. it you can do as much critical evaluation as you want, and you can still come up with a site that's totally bogus and you don't recognize it. On the critical evaluation page, I have some very funny ones from over the years that people have used to, uh, to showcase how you could write this really weird site and people would believe it. So uh, my critical evaluation page, you can find it on the on the site has all kinds of tips and tricks on those kinds of things. There's also I have little handouts for bookmarks for students with just the the question, who is the author? How can you find out more about them? You know, is the content have a date on it? When was it written? You know, you don't know. So there's there's like six or seven things on that that make an easier way for students to look at it rather than the formal form. where they have to, you know, they have to explain why they're using a site, but that's not bad either. They can move on to that.
0: Right. And we'll put those links in the show notes too. Yeah,
1: that's right. People can get onto Yeah, I just recently used one of yours um, just for teachers and showing them how to choose different technology resources uh, that help to differentiate um, but you know, we there are so many that, and you, they don't need to use all of those. So, how do you choose? How do you know what's best for you? You know, as a to use in your classroom, um, you know that meets the um, guidelines of your school. So you have one like that, and I use that often too.
2: Okay, yeah. So, and you don't you don't go on the web to find something randomly. Well, I don't. Okay, I'm left-brained, right? I know I know what I'm looking for. I know that I need to meet this need in my class. I've, I've seen a need. I know that, you know, it's going to be this age student. I, you know, I know I have all these things already. So when I'm looking, I can quickly get rid of a lot of stuff. And again, creating the search term correctly. (laughs) If one more person says, and I hate Google as a verb, but just Google it. Well, you can't, if you don't know anything about it, you can't just Google it. So oftentimes you need to find out more information about, and students and teachers about the thing you're looking for. So you have a knowledge base to even start to window things down. And Google still has an advanced search page, which allows you—it's getting smaller and smaller, unfortunately, because it used to have more on it. But I mean, I'm the only one that cares. But you, but it allows you to put in—you know—I only want something from a university domain. I only want it between these years. I want it, and their back-end spiders who who search the web know the date it was last updated, even if the date of last update isn't on the page. So I want something you know that's newer than 1976. So you can just fill in all those lines on that page and hit enter and you'll get a, a much smaller thing to choose from, but you've given it some thought.
1: That's important. And I always forget about the advanced section. Yep. That's I know they're hiding. They're good. kind of hiding it now.
2: <laughs> it drives me nuts. But yeah, um, it's still there. Great tip. So, yeah. So I used to support teachers right, with those sites that were targeted for them. And then I realized, you know, I don't know anything again. Uh, after I student taught my, uh, in college, my advisor said, you'd be really good in educational sales, which led me to believe I wasn't very good at teaching second grade. <laughs> so, then, so I went to library school, which was the best thing I ever did. But what I try to do now, I've tried to cut out a bunch of things. And I really try to um, provide ways teachers can develop creative, formative and summative assessments for um, students to create using uh, creative projects or products. So I I always start with pedagogy, which is most important to me, and then go on to the tools. I'm more tool-based than I used to be, um, but it's not about the tool. They must learn the pedagogy, the pedagogical part first.
1: Yeah, it's about curriculum, instruction, social emotional needs. They play the lead, right? Oh, and the technology right. is just the supporting role. And that's the way it should always be thought of and, and vetted in that way, too.
2: Right. And there are some things that are missing from, my, webs- from my, my list of sites. And people will ask me, oh, well, you don't have anything about this. I'm like, oh, yeah, really, I don't. It's something that I don't believe is like, great for education. So I just leave it off because I'd rather leave it off than try to promote it. If I don't, if I in, in my gut, I don't think it's in the whole scheme of things. It's not the most important thing that needs to be right now. So, so now everybody looks at the science. What's missing?
1: What's Yeah, missing? I was just going to say, I'm going to do that.
2: <laughs> ah, now you'll never find it. Whatever.
0: Well, Kathy, you mentioned the term pedagogy. And recently I have heard digital pedagogy that we really need to push teachers toward a more digital pedagogy. What does that mean?
2: you know, at, at the start of the pandemic and when teachers started the virtual teaching, you know, and some were still face to face, but in March, right. Um, they quickly learned how to use the online tools that they needed to, to communicate with students. Um, and, but they didn't have the time. I mean, I'm not one that I never say I never have enough time, but they didn't, weren't given the time to think about online teaching, right. They all, there were they were teaching online but they didn't get any background and but when we started with last school year with some were still virtual or when they were virtual or blended or whenever they were doing in face-to-face and virtual um teachers during those summer months they were given the time and they had the experience to kind of change how they taught so the pedagogy Changed. They were no long. They no longer. You know. I, I don't like the whole sage on the stage, guide on the side. But they got more into problem-based learning, challenge-based learning, projects. You know, things that worked well in a virtual environment. And so I'm hoping now that a lot of students are back to face-to-face. But even if they're not, even if they're blended or they're totally virtual, that that keeps up. That teachers don't step back into the. Yeah, you know, we have a 90-minute block. I'm going to. You know. I'm going to talk to you for 45 minutes and then you're going to do a little project. I'm going to talk to you some more. So, um, but the digital, I, you know, I I don't know digital pedagogy. I don't know what that means. I would assume it would mean, you know, how to take advantage of resources on the web, know have a background knowledge in tools or the way to do something and you can impart that to students. That's what I would imagine. That means I don't know.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's just like you. And you mentioned earlier, just you know, back from the '90s when you just your motivational way of coaching, right? You made official-looking meeting for them, and you you hooked them in with sites that related to them, right? That were relevant to them, that they cared about, and then they realized, oh, look at all this other stuff that I can leverage for the classroom, um, right? And and I think. It, when before the pandemic, there were, there was a lot of that, um, you know, a lot of teachers heard about blended learning or, uh, using formative assessments or those sorts of things and thought, that's great. I don't have time. I want to try that. I, I can't get to it, but guess what? The pandemic hit and they're all doing it, uh, whether they realized it or not. Right. But then, as you said, that summer came afterward where they could be reflective and then therefore more mindful. And I, I think now they realized, oh, I see why that's so great. I, I'm, I'm actually going to keep doing these great things that I was doing before. Um, I'm going to keep this blended approach. And now they, um, first of all, now that that hook was there, right? Whether they wanted to do it or not, they had to jump right in. So that hook was there. And now they're finding the supports to continue that. And I think that's, that's part of that there.
2: And they have to also, um, one of the things I would imagine about digital pedagogy is people on the web have very big voices, (laughs) even if they're not as knowledgeable as sometimes they need to be. So just don't glom on to whatever the current thing is. Um, If you feel that it's not something that's worth it for you to learn and to implement or for your students to do, just leave it alone. People could say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, your students' test scores are going to go up, blah, 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 blah. Um, Don't just jump. And it's really better to have a small tool set of very good tools than it is to just pull from all these different places. That's my feeling anyway. Yeah.
1: And I think because there were, you know, remember when the pandemic hit, there was like a spreadsheet of thousands of free resources. People were offering their things for free. we you know, like how do you navigate that? I think teachers quickly learned all of the tools that you had, you know, provided for them. Now that they're coming into play, and they could much better be selective. And hopefully, at some point, we're able to filter those out and just pick those that were relevant, those that were meaningful, those that made a difference in their classroom and for their students. Um, because otherwise, yeah, that was just crazy and overwhelming,
2: yeah, I mean teachers have done yeoman 's work it's unbelievable how far they 've come in a short period of time, and which is you know the, the the pandemic did one thing, it got a lot of technology into the schools that didn't have it, so that was a the only, that was pretty much the only bright side of of it
1: but. absolutely,
0: and you mentioned earlier that you have this big checklist, but the bottom one is check your gut, and I think educators need to do that daily because they are the experts in that classroom. I know, those kids and they do need to do that gut check. Right. So my, my question for you is you have always been like the leader of the pack. You're out there in front of us. So I think you have a vision where you can see a little bit further ahead than maybe all of us that follow you. What are you seeing for the future of education? What do you where do you think we're going I think people really are interested in that topic. Yeah,
2: um, yeah. <laughs> Some of the areas uh, I'm not interested in us going there. I think the best place to look is, uh, you know, the COSIN, the COSIN, who the COSIN reports, where they talk about that kind of thing. Because I w- I was on those committees for quite a few years when it was Educause, and um, and COSIN, and really. There's experts in the field who are college professors and and they can see what what is going to be coming down to us a lot better than I can, that's for sure. But I just personally, I just want every teacher to embrace technology to support teaching and learning, whatever that looks like to them. I, uh, I don't want them shoehorned into any particular pedagogical model. Um, because some of them, first of all, some of them administrate for and I need to get down to the nitty gritty of teacher evaluation. Right. If a teacher is using one of the models and is just starting to you know, step out of their comfort zone, but the administrator is very well versed in everything, they're not going to recognize that that person is doing a wonderful job for that person. Until the, you know, if they have the the post interview and and that they'll finally get it. But I like the models that are observable, and then teachers can break down can break down the components into smaller smaller chunks for them. So just concentrate on one little thing at a time. That's all. Don't try to do it all. You can't. No, it's that's well. just my feelings.
0: Absolutely. And the cousin, um, we had Keith Kruger on and he talked about the accelerators and hurdles. So we'll leave that report in this podcast as well, because that's great information. Great. Information.
2: Oh, yeah. I use it in all my presentations um, as it changes, you know, because it does change. But some of the things, you know, again, even when it was the previous iteration of it, um, some of them sounded like things that we'd never do in schools. And all of a sudden, we're doing it in school. So, you know, I mean, there's the whole artificial intelligence group. And then there's the, you know, everybody wearing headsets group. And, the, you know, so, you, again, you take what you need from it. But how, how do I just keep up by going to people's presentations, attending webinars, opening my mouth and asking questions when I'm not really supposed to, um, just to learn more. I'm always learning. That's just what I do. so
1: Well, you know, I think at heart, you are a coach and mentor. I mean, you I think I feel like you you are motivated by helping and supporting teachers and making sure that um, they are staying true to themselves and helping their students the best they can. Um, and that no, no matter what you do and who you work with, you, you're you all about the teachers, and I think that's what makes you so authentic. Um, and yeah, more-
2: but I'd be good in educational sales, apparently, too. Yeah, you know? but-
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, what? Like, give it a whirl? You never know. Okay, so- <laughs> well, you're selling education
0: every day through your website, right. yeah,
2: exactly. And I and also, I do get a lot of I'm under like a lot of NDAs, you know, I'll help any any vendor out there that I if I feel their product is worthwhile and give them tips on how to get into the education market right if they need to do that because a lot of people do have great stuff but they have no idea how schools work and when you tell them you know well yeah they write the budgets you know they're done by the end of October for next June and they're like what (laughs) and so I'm like yeah well there's you know there's all that stuff too so um yeah, I I just I help a lot of them behind the scenes. I have to remember, you know, if I'm look NDA for two like things, who I'm talking to, but it it just you know that's the other thing is we want new things to come along that we, that we can use in the classroom so i'll help anybody that's what i do
0: Yeah, and our vendors really um so many of them are stepping up and doing yeah. behind the scenes research and really helping out and doing that research that teachers don't have time to do so right it's great that people like you are helping the vendors uh ask right
2: them. and you know and then yeah and and again if they do the research that makes it so much easier to sell it quote unquote not sell it them sell it, but to sell it in a classroom. If you think this is really, really great, at least do, you know, can I do a pilot with this thing and get your administrator or district to approve it for you? So, and, you know, there's all the, you know, all the tech, the other thing I didn't talk about that is a big change is the hiring of tech coaches, right? I mean, I was a tech direct, I was a tech director for a school district of, I don't know, 3000 and the profession and the like I was IT and instructional tech, just me. And then, and you know, boxes and wires take a lot of time. So that didn't leave a lot of time for P- PD. And then in my next district, same thing. Um, and so having having someone dedicated to teachers and basically teacher leaders um, in technology or just coaching in, you know, pedagogy. So send that one person to the conference and they come back and they can give it all to everybody else. So that's been a huge change.
0: Absolutely. I have to ask you a question you probably don't want me to ask, but
2: how old am I? No, I'm not oh, telling
0: you. Viewers always want to know, like, what's your favorite tech tool? Now, this could be personally or professionally. What's something that you find really, really helpful to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's eight, there's 830 apps on my iPad. So any one of those things would be good. Um, <laughs> takes forever when I get a new device for for things to transfer over. I'm sure, uh, sure. But they're all categorized, so I can find anything you want. I no? bet they oh, are,
1: left brainer.
2: I'm, I'm a fan of um, for school. Well, personally, I use Adobe Photoshop elements every day for something. Um, so, you know, what, whatever I'm doing, whether it's whatever I'm doing, signing a document, anything, I use it daily, uh, I do like. For schools quote unquote suite, a suite of tools. So whether it's the Google suite or the Adobe suite or a suite of tools so that students, so so each component looks and feels alike, but does different things and does different things well, they don't, then the how to use it doesn't get in the way. You know, a tool shouldn't be hard to learn. And that's another reason I was really big on the iPad was because you could find a single tool that did a single thing perfectly, and then another tool to do another thing perfectly. Um, it, for a while there, uh, vendors were, they did one thing really well, the vendor, and then they would add other things to kind of broaden their horizon and those things didn't work well. So I'd rather see single use tools or, or already a suite of tools that was created to be a suite of tools. Um, I love Explain Everything, Rashawn Richards. You know, you can use that, you know, pre-K to 80 and, uh, and still not find, you know, find things in there that you would want to use all the time. So, yeah, I I don't know. I know I don't have, I have so many tools. I don't really have one favorite. My favorite is the one that's there when I need it. Yes. it that way.
0: Do you have a productivity tool? I am always trying to become hey, what? a productivity tool. I'm always looking oh for something to make me more productive.
2: Well, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And I have a son who's, you know, they use Notion and this and that. And I try it and I'm like, no, I don't. I use, I I, I it's too overwhelming for me. Um, I use OneNote for like keeping track of, My presentations, I have a table in there and a list of my presentations and then across the top, the, you know, the things that I'm talking about, whether I've done it or whatever, checkbox, so I can see everything at one time.
1: And I'm sure it's perfectly Um, color coded as well.
2: Yeah, it is. (laughs) And then I create different pages where I collect the sites because another thing that's important is curation, right? So The the minute and for students and for teachers, the minute you find something you want, you need to have a place you need to put that URL because you'll never find it again. So I have pages. So for a presentation, I'll get I'll just then just gather a whole bunch of stuff that I'm looking. You know, I do a big search for a few hours and then I'll go back and I'll look at it carefully and winnow out the stuff that I'm not going to include or that or if I have more questions. I'll ask the person who created it. Um, I use I use notes. On the on my i devices to, you know, to keep things, um, it's very searchable. I do use, uh, even though I'm a, I I never was an Apple fanboy. I am an Apple fanboy now. Um, I use, uh, but I do use Google Photos. So anytime I take a photo on the i device, it sends it to Google Photos because Google search is so much better and so good. You could put in the word sign and you'll get, a you know, 10 years of signs that you've taken to see when something is open, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I've tried a whole bunch of those productivity shows. They really sound great. I bought a lot of them. <laughs> they sound really great. And I'm like, this is too much. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need to, well, let's put it this way. I think they're really good for people that need to be reminded I'm a left brainer. I know what I need to do. I do never see the big picture. So I never get overwhelmed, right? I just do one thing at a time, I get it done and move on. I read one book at a time, again, read another book. You know, I mean, I just, so my personality, I don't, you know, and I don't need to collaborate with anybody. I guess if I had to collaborate with other people, like for our high school reunions, we have, you know, we have something. But other than that, yeah, I'm pretty productive. So that's yes,
0: what well, you gave us great <laughs> tips
2: there. I thought. Yeah. Okay. Do you still use your iPad a lot? Yep, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I have two iPads. Yep. And uh I did have the Mac M one but because unfortunately it only came with two ports, you know, two, I couldn't use it for presentations because like for now I'm using my 16 inch because I need four. <laughs> one for the external monitor, one for the headset, one for the internet, you know, and yes. one for power, so yes,
1: oh yeah, hold that up. I had to get one of those thingies, yeah, yeah,
2: i have this I have this one that's about i don't know this big, oh my god <laughs> with all oh kinds gosh. of ports on it yes. but unless i have unless I have to use it, I won't use it, right, but I do carry it with me, yeah, it has twenty four ports of everything on it, so
1: oh my gosh, I'd hate i
2: but i you know who who do you trust that to work when you're <laughs> presenting, I don't know. <laughs>
0: So that, yes, that's that's always something that you worry about. Is everything right, right. To work when you're presenting? Exactly. Yes. Well, Kathy, how many years have you been in this business? Can I ask you that?
2: Yeah. So it, it's been, yeah, it's 20 whatever. I started in 93. So yeah. do the math. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'm still yep. presenting. Yep. I'm doing um, I'm going to South Carolina next month to do their conference in Myrtle Beach.
1: That's what and I was going to ask. What upcoming things do you have going on? Where are you going to be? Yep. Then I,
2: I'm doing something for a group in Canada. Let's, let's talk science. That's virtual. I'm doing that in late October. And then I'm going to FETC in Florida. Right. So we'll be doing, we'll be doing our tech share. And I have two workshops and a session besides that in person this um, year? Pardon? Will that be in person? Uh, yep. Right. It's in person. Right. Yep. Um, and then, and I just finished my ISTE 22 proposal already on day one, of course, and got that oh, in. You
1: did. That's funny because I looked at when it, the last date that it's due. So I put that in my October account. 1st. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm always, I
2: have to, for the past, like, I don't know how many years, 15, 17, 19 years, whatever. I'm always been the first one to get it in. So um, anyway, it's just become, a, it's become a, I mean, I always have it written, right? So I know they don't change the form very often. So it's just plug and play. But uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they always get a kick out of it. So I just do it to make them happy. They need some, a little joy.
1: That's so miracle. Yeah, oh absolutely. my gosh. I'm, yeah. i mine's hidden by midnight or then I think, oh goodness, <laughs> that's right. It's Pacific time. I actually have three more hours. Three more hours. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And so then, and then I'm doing, you know, a couple of local things. But during the pandemic, I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of virtual presentations. And then I also teach for Wilkes University. I'm an adjunct for their graduate um, education department and their um, master's in technology ed or whatever it is. And uh, I'm on my 57th course with them. So I've been doing that for a while. Yeah.
0: So, Kathy, you're about at your 25th anniversary in ed tech courses. We like to ask a question. What has become clear to you through all of this?
2: That it's all about the teacher having passion.
0: Ah, yes. The technology can't do it for you, can it?
2: No, and and, and she can't be a teacher without having, and it doesn't have to be, teaching doesn't have to be your passion, but you have to be passionate it, uh, by nature. And most teachers are, you know, if you start talking to them, so... I mean, just watch those tiktoks right Did i love TikTok. Like TikTok? Teachers, teachers of tiktok are you on are you on tiktok yeah i don't i don't yeah i don't i don't i don't make them i just watch them but teachers of tiktok crack me up oh my gosh they're so funny and they're and they're, they're so creative they are. right now especially with back to school very funny.
0: Well, when we finish today, I have a a TikTok I'm working on.
1: So, oh, good, cool. We're learning. We're, We're learning. learning. Actually, Jerry's learning. She's dragging me in. We actually had some guests on to teach us a little bit about it, uh, who are very creative, uh-huh. oh, as you said. Yeah, one one is a um library uh, media specialist, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah
2: and see teachers and seeing teachers you know embrace those new technologies is always great um and getting but getting teachers who don't know what tiktok is to look at tiktok is is a, is a quite a, a hard thing to do because you only hear the bad stuff about it you know not the bad stuff but the oh my gosh our you know all our i don't care everyone knows everything about me <laughs> so whatever if if people in other countries know everything about me that's okay too I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, either. There's not much to know here. So, so, you know. No, really. Exactly. Yeah. I'm pretty clean. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. I mean, no one's going to ask me to host Jeopardy, but, you know, I'm pretty clean. <laughs> if want me to do that?
0: You so. host Jeopardy, you would be the perfect person.
1: I could. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, I that's could. A good idea. That's a good idea. I think it's, it's too long. late.
2: She, it's, jobs taken. Oh, got, that,
1: I was going to nominate you. you. All, All right. Done. Yes,
0: yeah, no, that's okay. You would be perfect. Well, Kathy, it has been such a
2: pleasure to get to. Oh, thank you so much for having me on too. It's
0: such Absolutely. an honor. Oh, so excited. It, it is. It's like being in the presence of um, a rock star. And,
2: and- yeah, but you know, I, I hate doing I, 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 but I got to do talk about myself the whole time, which is so wonderful. <laughs> well, you have
0: a lot to talk about, my friend. You have given so much to so many people. And so we have really appreciated your contributions and the fact that you just make sure that everything is so credible and it's wholesome and it's good. And I, I know if it has Kathy Schrock's name on it, I can depend on it. And it's oh, important. Awesome.
2: important because we
0: have so much going on in our lives.
2: So it's been funny over the years. I've, um, been called a couple of different things Uh-oh. <laughs> the, man, the man that the man that started the isp and had told me to learn html said oh you know you could be the martha stewart of the educational internet now that was when that was a good thing oh, and yeah. then and then one day i was at um at a conference and they were giving away like those wizard hats scantron was giving away the wizard hats i'm like oh could i get a wizard hat and she goes oh you're Kathy Shark, you're like the Michael Jordan of the education okay that's better and then one person met me and said oh my gosh you're a real person I thought you were like Betty Crocker or something and you had all these old magazines in your attic I was like no I'm real <laughs> it's hysterical some of the some of the things it's it keeps me it keeps me going it's like who can I be next
1: so. that's terrific
0: Absolutely. Well, you are a rock star in our eyes and thank you. So
2: appreciated. What are you doing today? Are you researching today? Um, um, at one, no, one o'clock, I have a, I have an EdWeb. Oh, yeah, I have an EdWeb presentation on the ninth um, on. I think I'm doing inventiveness in the classroom. I'm not quite sure. I think I am. Anyway, we have our test for that. Yeah. So anybody that if this is out before then, this is edited before then uh, that's open and free to come to. So they have a thousand seats or something.
1: Oh, they do. They're fabulous. We just had Lisa from EdWeb on our webinar just last week, actually. Oh, great. I used, I did EdWeb back
2: in 2013, a whole series. And I look at that stuff now. I'm like, can we please take it down? But um, (laughs) they can't. So uh anyway, so yeah, so today in the afternoon, I have a test for um that their system. They use a little bit different system, so
1: that's all right. Leaving up your old stuff is great because it just documents the technology evolution, right?
2: <laughs> I know you know, what you look at it and you go, oh. I used to do a site of the school day. I don't know if you remember that every day, I'd put up a different site, and i in big in big letters I'd put up I don't go back and fix the ones that are dead." I just don't. And so, you know, I, I, do, I mean, a site a day is a lot of things to go back and fix after 10 years or of doing it. So, um, but I still get notes from people, oh, by the way, we found this dead link on this page from, you know, whatever, 1998. Yeah. It's going to be dead. Oh, you should
1: just make it a scavenger hunt at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Find me another site and I'll, I'll replace it. Thanks. <laughs> I used to have teachers, you know what, in the early days, um, when I started putting up, I would check the, the links of all the links in the site every week, right? And you had to do it by hand back then. There were no tools to do it. You had to click on it, make sure it went to the right site. And so I put out a thing and I, it was called Adopt a Page. And I had educators all over the world, each were responsible for a page. So once a week, they, would, they wouldn't know how to replace it. They would just tell me what went bad, which was oh, great. So that was collaboration brilliant. in the early days. That's that was collaboration.
1: Really brilliant. Ah, I love it. Great. Well, this has been such a treat. Thank you so much for joining and sharing, uh, you know, going down memory lane with us and uh, and then telling us about all of the tips um, for now. And we're going to link your evaluation guides as well, because those are so, so valuable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And again, it wasn't rocket science. And it's but once you do it a couple of times, yep. you understand the process. So. Yep.
1: yep. exactly. Exactly.
2: All right. I'll see you guys at a conference, oh, I hope, what? soon. That's what I was I saying. Know. I hope we see you Bye. at ISA this here. Okay, good. That'd be great. I already have my plane ticket, so they better hold it in person. So <laughs> <laughs> And where's oh it God. going to be here? <laughs> it's in New Orleans. That's oh, yeah. the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And keep All right, the good take work. care. All right, thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.